often also talk about Tokyo Governor Koike um, stepping forward. Now, she would not be an LDP candidate. She's not an LDP party member. But there is increasing speculation about some kind of power-sharing agreement where she steps forward and mm. serves as prime minister. And I think that will be very popular because she's done a much better job on COVID than the LDP has. And so I, it, there's a lot of wild cards going on at the moment. It's going to, going to be a very uncertain six to eight weeks here in Japan. So it could well be that the relative stability that we had under the RB era is coming to an end and we're going to revert back to the revolving door of Japanese prime ministers. Back to the Italian style of government, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we shall follow this with, uh, with interest because the election, as you say, is coming up uh, in October in Japan. Thank you very much, William. That's William Pesic, Tokyo-based journalist and author. Thank you, sir. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Japanese markets are storming ahead this morning. The Nikkei 225 is up 8, 0.8%. In South Korea, the Cosby has rallied over 1%. The ASX 200 in uh, Australia up a third of a percent. And futures markets indicating a gain of about 1% for the Hang Seng at the open. Uh, Brent crude oil is stable this morning after the very strong rise last night in New York, trading at $68.63 a barrel. Gold is also at uh, $1,803 an ounce. That's it from me. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Stay tuned for Back Chats with Hugh Chiverton and Ada Wong. The weather forecast, sunny periods, one or two showers. It's going to be hot, maximum temperature of 32 degrees, and then the outlook is for sunny periods and a few showers tomorrow. Very hot on Thursday. The temperature right now is 29 degrees out at the observatory, 80% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Here's Barry O'Rourke with the half-hour news. Lawmakers have given a positive reception to the message from a top Beijing official that they should focus their efforts on development amid what he called a favourable environment. Huang Liu-Chuan, Deputy Director of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, told a seminar on the nation's 14th five-year plan that too much time had been spent arguing about politics here. The Liberal Party's Felix Chung said the SAR risks missing out on opportunities if officials don't work on reopening travel to the mainland. The DAB chairwoman, Starry Lee, welcomed the emphasis on development. This 14th five plan is already announced by the central government. We, as a legislator, uh, if you have time to take notice of what we have done, we have raised a lot of motion to ask and urge the Hong Kong government and also to urge a different sectors to uh, think big and see how we can uh, make use of this plan to uh, boost Hong Kong economy. Therefore, I think this is uh, good for the Hong Kong society as a whole and good for the Hong Kong society, especially in this uh, new era. Federation of Trade Unions lawmaker Alice Mack says it's a pity that two lawmakers didn't attend yesterday's seminar on the nation's five-year plan. Mr Huang held the unprecedented session in Lejko, but the civic passions Cheng Cheng Tai and the medical constituency lawmaker Pierre Chan didn't attend. Ms Mack said everyone in Hong Kong should be familiar with the country's development blueprint, adding that it was high time for the SAR to focus on development and improving people's livelihoods. She also told Samantha Butler that one of the most pressing priorities for Hong Kong was to have the borders reopened as soon as possible. At this moment, uh, we think uh, reopening of the border is very important because uh, we, have, we, we need to uh, 
uh, uh, maintain the uh, regular and proper uh, uh, communication between uh, our people, so that we can go back to uh, go back to the mainland, and also um, people from the mainland can do can come home, come to Hong Kong and do business. The Taliban say resistance forces in northern Afghanistan have been encircled in Panjia. A spokesman said they were trying to resolve the issue through talks. The fighters in the Panjia Valley, a hub of resistance to successive governments, say they too would prefer to resolve matters through negotiations. But a spokesman, Ali Nazari, said they were ready to fight if need be. For the past uh, week, we've had an influx of local resistance forces from throughout the country. And Pineshire itself um, had local forces that were uh, trained in the valley. So we have thousands of forces ready for the resistance. Um, however, we prefer to pursue peace and negotiations before any sort of war or conflict. More news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton and your co-host today is Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Today we're talking about the five-year plan. The Deputy Director of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, Huang Li Chuan, said yesterday that China's dream of rejuvenating the nation also includes the dream of seven and a half million Hong Kong people. In a seminar on the national 14th five-year plan, he reiterated the SAR as an inalienable part of China and the national blueprint underpins the territory's financial, trading, aviation, technology, legal and cultural sectors. It will improve their competitiveness and enable them to merge into the country's overall development, he said. Central government officials have also, for the first time, briefed lawmakers on national policies at LegCo, saying the city had already wasted a lot of time during the 2019 anti-government protests. What do we expect, then, from the plan? How will Hong Kong be included? What impact will it bring to our economy? What about the cultural elements? What sort of cultural exchange does it mandate for us? Let us know your thoughts, your questions and your comments. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, that's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, or you can email us with your questions and thoughts. That's backchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us, and our number is 233-88266. That's 233-88266. Joining us for our, our discussion, we have with us now uh, Whitman Hung, who's a NPC deputy and also principal liaison officer for Hong Kong at the Shenzhen Shanghai uh, Authority. Uh, Mark Michelson is with us, chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia, and David Webb, founder and editor of website.com, a shareholder activist. Once again, our email is backchat at rthk.hk. We've got a few emails on other topics. Maybe we'll we'll get to those in, in a little bit, mostly um, kind of related to uh, COVID things. Uh, Whitman Hong, Mr Hong, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much indeed for, for joining us once again. What do you think of the main point? What would, what would you say was the headline from this uh, from these uh, talks, from these seminars? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I think you need to increase the awareness of Hong Kong people on the 14th five-year plan. Actually, uh, I myself attended the uh, MPC session and then I did study uh, the overall plan. Um, and it's, you know, not only are those two chapters that are highly related to Hong Kong, but we also need to understand how China is developing and how Hong Kong can... I want to use the word merge. I'm more, I think it's more like economic integration. And, uh, you know, and that is important, especially the due circulation. I think that it means a lot to the traditional way we do business in Hong Kong because we used to be only the international circulation, right? But the domestic market is growing up. 
there's a lot of Hong Kong manufacturers in China, but in the past place, they were all selling to North America and Europe. But now, if you want to sell to the local market, you may need to change. You need to change your design, your packaging, your standards. Instead of CE, you may need to use the national Chinese standard. You know, things like that. We need to pay attention to that. At the same time, I think this new positioning of the uh, arts and cultural exchange for Hong Kong, I think that is also some very important, you know, I, if I recall, I've never heard any uh, you know, national leaders talk about this before or any other documents that talk about this before. So, but, but arts and culture is always here in Hong Kong, as Ada can tell. But so at this time, it's, you know, it's, it's on a national strategy positioning, and I think that is important to Hong Kong as well. Uh, Whitman, you pointed out that um, you know there will be differences in the future uh, in how, let's say, businessmen do things. But let's uh, let's uh, tackle this economic integration uh, mm-hmm. uh, concept that um, you know you just mentioned. How how could uh, how would this be different from what we see now uh, in in terms of like investment, in terms of um, maybe producing products for the domestic market, for the national domestic market? Yeah. Well, if you remember when China first opened up, the Hong Kong investment inside is always manufacturing, but they're leveraging the low labor costs and land costs and then selling outside. So there's not, in fact, in the early days, you were not even allowed to sell to the local market. You need a special permit to do domestic uh, retailing. So, um, so that's for the way we, well, there was still integration, but at that time, integration is more about you know how to comply with the laws and how to enjoy the tax cuts and benefits. But now you're dealing with the local market. And in fact, China is not one large market; it's hundreds of you know large local markets. And you need to learn about it. You need to understand the consumer behavior, how to do branding. At the same time, I think another thing that's important is uh, China is also moving from a high-speed growth to a, what they call a high-quality growth. So the consumers has higher standards. They want better things. They want better branding. Um, and Hong Kong can play a role there. You know, we can help to upgrade, for example, the uh, traditional Chinese product into more like, well, I would say name, well, name brands probably not the right word, but, you know, higher brand value stuff, higher quality and I think that's Hong Kong had that, you know, one of the strengths of Hong Kong is we do things like product design, branding, advertisement. Uh, but in the past, it was more aiming at the international market. But now maybe we need to, you know, also include, we, we, still, we still need to do the international market, which is very important also for Chinese enterprises going abroad. And when we see integration, it doesn't mean Hong Kong follow China. It means what we do is what we do should also meet with their needs and their demand and, and, and match with the market needs there. So it's not only the consumer market which we're selling inside, but also helping, for example, companies like Huawei and DJI and the smaller version of those go into the international market through Hong Kong. Is it your impression that China is slightly kind of turning inwards, that the uh, domestic market? Not in- really, not really. I. I think this is something uh, a lot of discussion is in academia as well. Because um, it, it was last year, I think, during the MPC, when Xi Jinping talked about the domestic market, and all of a sudden everybody's talking about domestic market. They're very, uh, you know, very soon the uh, Central Committee issued some papers and saying, well, no, it's due to circulation, it's not just the domestic market. Um, 
of course, China is a very large market that you know that will attract um, talents, investment as well as products. But at the same time, they want to open up. So, uh, but the open up is a little bit different, maybe from the. There's a. I mean, I was reading this uh, uh, article by Zheng uh, Yongyan. Um, you know, he was talking about we should unilaterally open up of China. You know, instead of. You know, in the past, it's probably like forced by the WTO or the US or whatever. But now it's like, okay, we want to open up no matter what because opening up is good for China to create more competitive competition to raise the value and competitive with the local enterprises. So I I really don't think China is going inward, but the way they open up is a little bit different. A they raise the bar. For example, uh, financial market, they say, okay, we're going to. You know, allow foreign finance uh, companies to come in, but they raise the overall bar for anybody to open a new bank in in China. So, I yeah, to, to short question is also short answer is obviously no, it's not going inward, but it also want to demonstrate to the world we have a large domestic market and we welcome you to come. Remember, they have this import uh, well, uh, 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 this show in in Shanghai, right? Uh, uh, in the old days, or in, in fact, any countries in the world, it's also it's about export, right? But only in China, they actually organize a very large uh, this, this event, this uh, conference in Shanghai every year for imports. And that is, you know, unseen of if you can look at all the other economies. Right. Mark Michelson, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much indeed for, for joining us. What do you make of this uh, visit? And... Uh, Hong Kong's role in the five-year plan. Well, you know, I, I think it's it's setting a it's it's setting a, a goal and it's it's setting a standard and sort of saying uh, Japanese would say gambate, try hard and do your best to uh, to fit into the fit into the program. A lot of it isn't new. Some things are a little bit new. More emphasis on not only the traditional areas of strength of Hong Kong, like financial services and as a renminbi center and so on but also as innovation technology hub which we've heard a lot about uh not not much has been done so far but there's a lot of talk about it, a lot of money thrown in its direction aviation hub which would be interesting assuming we ever get back to aviation again which we all hope will will happen someday so in that sense it's good there are there are some some barriers i think and for example you know, first it's one country, two systems. So we're still at this point uh, different to some extent than the rest of China. But traditionally, the governments of Hong Kong, and especially the city of Guangzhou, and sometimes the province, haven't always worked together very well. And this is sort of an important part of the the process. That has to be that has to help. We still have a hard border, and that border's gotten harder because of COVID, as you've seen. I know that's a major topic of your discussions as well. And that's important. And both businesses and people, I think, have to be convinced that this is going to be uh, advantageous for them as well. And that includes young people who are who are encouraged to go to the GBA, for example, and work. And there are opportunities there. But many of them so far have been reluctant to do so for various reasons. And that's an important part of the equation as well. Uh, just one one. One comment on dual circulation, David will probably go into more detail on this. Yeah, it's also a reflection, I think, of not only the importance of China's domestic economy, international firms are increasingly moving to a in-China, for-China strategy, 
what I sometimes call uh, one company, two systems, sometimes more than two systems, looking at China specifically and looking at those areas. But also, it's a reflection of the changes in globalization and the pushback to globalization as well and, and looking for alternatives to that, depending more and more on the domestic market in areas like supply chains and semiconductors and so on. So, so how would this uh, new five-year plan, um, you know, impact the uh, sort of business strategies of uh, multinationals in Hong Kong? Well, I, you know, I, I think first of all, a lot of it will center. Many of them are looking at the at the GBA and seeing if there are opportunities there and how that fits into the program. But you know, international firms, most of them that are operating in China, always are looking to align with with uh, national plans, economic plans, especially the five-year plan. They're always trying to do that with mixed results sometimes. And Hong Kong would fit into that equation. Those that are based in Hong Kong or want to use Hong Kong as a way of, of, of entering that and finding what advantages they can use, especially in areas like professional services, for example, which is an area where Hong Kong excels in. And, you know, the idea also of of, of doing that in China and Wells Hong Kong, it's where the uh, where the red lines are, where the border lines are in between that, because that's one of Hong Kong's big advantages at this point, differentiation areas. What, what about the sort of ideological difference between a centrally planned uh, economy, um, you know, like this five-year plan, and the laissez-faire that we've had in the past in, in, in Hong Kong? Are they compatible? <laughs> or are we just going to stop doing that now? Well, I think David will comment on this, too. I think we've been moving away from that, uh, from uh, positive non-interventionism for, for a long time. And I think just, just, this just reinforces it. The problem with that, and this includes the U.S. is trying to move toward, a, you know, toward this kind of, uh, kind of policy as well, industrial policy. Governments, for the most part, aren't very good at it. China a little bit more because they have more experience. But Hong Kong doesn't have a lot of experience. And when they've tried, when we've tried, it's been, uh, to say the least, mixed results and sometimes not very good ones. So I think we're moving in that direction. I expect there'll be a lot of cooperation with uh, with mainland authorities and getting guidance in that area as well. Because when we get a when, – when it's something like the five-year plan says – Support Hong Kong to enhance its status as a as a international aviation hub. Right. Um, you know. So do we go and what do we do? We build another airport. We build another runway. Well, you know, we're we're You know, there's there are vast plans for the airport. They're in the midst of it now, expanding anyway, and to you know make it a make it a much more expanded and and uh, diversified operation right now. So I suppose that's going in that direction again. There are a lot of uncertainties right now, mm, not yeah. necessarily related to the five-year plan. Mm. Uh, David Webb, good morning to you. Morning. Thanks for joining us uh, once again. Uh, your thoughts, uh, first of all, in general, on the on the on the five-year plan, what, um, what it well, means for Hong first, Kong. First, first thought is it's got the wrong name. It should be the four-year, four-month plan <laughs> because that's how long it's got left. It's already eight months old. Um, uh, so, you know, not sure why we're only t- talking about it now instead of before it started last during last year. Um, secondly, we can't do very much with our borders uh, hermetically sealed, even with the, bound- the boundary with the mainland hermetically sealed, even though our infection rate is now lower, being zero, than theirs. Um, and, um, you know, that just reminds us all of the separation between the systems, which is promised in the basic law, the one country, two systems model, uh, separate law, separate currency, separate customs and excise, separate taxation regimes, separate immigration regimes. Um, And 
the same for Macau, actually, as well. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, the, all, all this talk of integration, of course, economically, it has been going on since uh, the opening up began in 1979. And it's a bit rich to be lectured on lost time uh, by a government that wasted 30 years after 1949 um, hammering its economy into the ground before it started opening up and has lost time since then when it could have opened up much faster on capital controls, for example. Uh, I, I thought this would have happened 15 to 20 years ago, around two, soon after the entrance to WTO, which, by the way, Whitman, it wasn't a forced entry. No one forced China to join the WTO. In fact, China um, wanted to join um, and got very favourable conditions for joining. Um, but it took a long time to honour those conditions in terms of foreign investment uh, permissions, which still aren't fully there. And you asked why is it that China has dedicated import fares uh, when other countries don't. Well, maybe it's because it's so difficult otherwise to get your goods and services into China without the official approval that comes with uh, appearing in a, um, a, a, a fair probably organised by a state-run entity. Um, you know, if, if the government would get out of the way um, and uh, do less central planning, that has been the key to the huge improvement in people's livelihoods in the mainland since 1979. It's not doing more central planning, it's doing less of it. Um, farmers can now choose which crops to grow, who to sell them to and what price they get. Factories don't have quotas of production. Uh, graduates aren't told where they're going to be working and they can choose their employees, employers. Um, and um, the economy is a lot freer than it was, but that process of opening up stagnated about 20 years ago. The government still has uh, control over huge portions of the old economy, such as airlines, steel, telecommunications, um, and, and uh, they have no si uh, sign of taking the next step of relinquishing that control and well, okay, well, let me, competitive let me, markets. Let me put it like this. Do you think Hong Kong would be better off in economic terms if we if we went along with the five-year plan and integrated well, and, and, and took a part in the nation as a whole? Hong Kong people are a very clever lot um, and they will um, exploit um, whatever framework is put in front of them. Good. Yeah, that's good um, though, isn't it? Uh, and, right. yeah. and, and so that means, if you like, playing along... Um, uh, I, uh, Mark talked about alignment with the um, central planning. Uh, basically, if, if the government says certain things are a priority and we're going to subsidise them, then of course people will line up and take the subsidies and do what's uh, on the you know, uh, and that will alter their behaviour. So, so we can get richer and um, and, but it, not, and join the five-year plan. But yeah, well, uh, but but it wouldn't be as optimal as if as if the governments here and in the mainland simply stepped aside and let people um, get, get on with uh, uh, optimal allocation of uh, capital and labour uh, and other resources. So, um, you know, the, the, all of the... Um, if you look at the, the, the sort of summaries that I've seen in English of the five-year plan, there's all sorts of talk about blockchain and Belt and Road and DNA and, and other things. Well, sure... Um, you know, people, big data is another buzzword that keeps popping up. It's like, it's like reading the policy address, really. It's not very different. Um, and uh, really, we should just let the market decide where the, where the money should be allocated okay. rather than taxing higher, at higher rates, which Hong Kong will soon have to do if it's going to keep up this level of state 
expenditure on things like Lock Martel Loop and uh, infrastructure and, and also uh, want on handouts rather okay. than welfare. All right, Mr. Mr. Hung? Well, I mean, this will be an endless de uh, debate between, you know, planet economy uh, and, and market uh, economy. China is a market economy in a socialist sense. So it's opening up. It's freer, but it's not absolutely free. And I think personally, I mean, in academia, we also talk about that as well. You know, there's no such things as a free, you know, a perfect market. Market fails. And in areas such as deep technology uh, investment, even the U.S. government subsidizing, they're investing in technology development. So Singapore, so is Malaysia, you know, all these places. So uh, I think the, the only problem is, of course, is English translation because um, the five-year plan actually changes names. If you remember, Ada, in the old time, it's really planning, like detailed planning. Now it's more like a framework. So it's not really the detailed planning of the quota production, things like that. But it's all about the overall directions. What should, where should the government invest? Where would they pay attention? For example, pollution, right? If they talk about pollution in the past 10 years, a lot of things. And of course, there are subsidies. But these are subsidies for good. You know, if you look at, you want to correct the market, you have to do something. Otherwise, the market will say, okay, well, never mind these external costs. I'll do whatever I want and let the pollution goes on. Right, so the government say, okay, yes, so here's, here's a law and here's a subsidy. If you do something to clean the water, I'll give you some money. Okay. Well, that, that's. I mean, you've got to distinguish between intervention and capturing the externalities. I mean, should there be a carbon tax um, or some such? Um, in my view, yes, because it shouldn't be free to pollute the air and and kill the planet. Um, you know, there ought to be. Um, that kind of uh, um, uh, government and indeed not just governmental but international treaty imposed obligations because otherwise you end up with free riders. Yeah, um, but, but it's not just externality. So, it's, or we also talk about monopolization, for example. I mean, an absolutely free market economy will at the end arrive and monopolize. Not, I mean, that, not always, but when oh, that happens, oh, oh, that, that's why we have anti we have we have uh, antitrust, right? Antitrust and competition. And that's laws. government intervention. And and. <laughs> And, right. and that ensures a, a level playing field. And um, there have been um, antitrust actions, for example, recently against Alibaba for telling merchants right. that they cannot sell through other parties if they sell through Alibaba. Um, uh, they got fined for that. And I'm in support of that kind of measure to make sure that the economy functions competitively. But then there's the kind of state shakedown that seems to be going on when, when Tencent the other day promises to donate 100 billion RMB. That's like an entire year's profit to reduce um, wealth disparities. Now, it's not their job uh, to uh, reduce wealth disparities at the expense of their shareholders. It is their job to pay their fair taxes and if they have somehow found tax loopholes, it's the government's job to close the tax loopholes. But they did pay 20 billion RMB in taxes last year. Um, and so if the government's concerned about companies being too successful uh, without abusing this, a monopoly, then they should just raise okay, the tax rate. Is this a bit of a kind of ideological uh, No, it's, that it's not really, ideological at all. For Hong Kong people, surely, we've got an enormous market on our doorstep and the five-year yeah. plan is just a way to get access Yeah, but I don't, I don't think there's an ongoing debate about whether communism or central planning works. It doesn't, Whitman. I mean, it's been, it's been tried and tested um, in, in China until 1979. Yeah, but um, so is the free economy and, and being tested in, in the United States and look at where it's structure. heading to. 
properly structured free markets well, work. I, I when governments intervene and set up things like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they don't work. That's what triggered the housing. I, I tell you, David Webb, because you're going to stay on, and I think uh, I think uh, <laughs> Whitman Hung will be leaving at nine o'clock. So yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. get free reign after that. But Whitman, just before you go, I wanted to just question about the. You mentioned the the cultural uh, aspects. I think there, you, if you look at the five year plan, some of the sort of contrasts between the two systems are most stark uh, to me um, because culture for the five year plan is about Marxism. Marxist guys, uh, all activities in our ideological no. space. Well, uh, the article, yes, How do we fit in culture is a different thing. And, and that's one other thing, uh, observation I had. Uh, you know, in the whole uh, 14 five-year plan, culture was mentioned 51 times. Innovation was 49. Socialist cultural 51. development is, in, is well, essential well, to enhance What does that, that mean? Uh, well, you know, the cultural every, development. every word in this plan has been carefully crafted. So if they, they mention culture 51 times, they only mention innovation 49 and reform 47. <laughs> that means they're paying a lot of attention on culture. Culture is not just about the livelihood, but also about uh, businesses as well. Um, they're putting, you know, the cultural uh, industry, they also mentioned. I mean, that's, that's to Hong Kong. I think that's something that's interesting. Um, you know, I mean, we have common interest in, in, in economic terms because money is money. But if they're talking about socialist culture... That's not what we want in Hong Kong, is it? Uh, no. The con- we, Chinese constitution says that capitalism is decadent. How do we, how do we reconcile well, with well, that? Well, first of all, we have one country, two systems. So mm. Hong Kong, very clearly, we have a capitalist system. Secondly, I think culture is more, more than just about ideological things. We're talking about, well, I mean, Ada can tell much better than this, but, you know, we, we, culture is very wide. We talk, well, it's not just about, you know, paintings and collections. I mean, there's a... One of the things, or from what I heard from my government, Hong Kong friends, is they're looking at all these auctions. I mean, that's creating economic value to Hong Kong, obviously. Okay. Well, we, we've got to go break for, yeah. the, for the news now at 9 o'clock. Uh, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Uh, Whitman Hong, uh, we're going to stay, and uh, also uh, a culture expert is going to be joining us after the news uh, at 9. Stick around. The weather, sunny periods and one or two showers forecast for today. Temperatures up to about 32 degrees. And that looks sunny periods and a few showers tomorrow, very hot. On Thursday, 30 Celsius at the moment with a relative humidity now at 80%. Welcome back. This is Bank Chats on a Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and Miku Chiverton. We're talking about the uh, five-year plan uh, following that uh, visit uh, yesterday, the speeches and the seminars given by... Of uh, officials from the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office. Uh, we were talking to uh, MPC Deputy Whitman Hung in the first part of the programme. Still with us now is uh, Mark Michelson, Chairman of Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia, and David Webb, shareholder activist, founder and editor of uh, Website.com. We're also joined now by Helen So, who's the lead with Arts and Culture at the Our Hong Kong Foundation. Uh, we want to hear from you. You can email bankchat at rthk.hk. You can go to our Facebook page as well. That's bankchat on rthk radio 3. Uh, or call us, and our number is 233-88266, and we'll put you on air. Um, just before we get uh, back to the uh, topic, uh, some uh, emails related to uh, our discussion yesterday about uh, vaccination policy and uh, uh, quarantine uh, and so on. Uh, let's see. Um, Andrew Kay says, uh, so yesterday Andrew Kay sent a message saying, who, saying with regard to Nicole Kidman, who is this person? Is she famous? I said yes. Uh, Andrew Kay says, your answer uh, was just stupid, meaning you missed my point entirely. She, famous or not, 
contributes nothing to Hong Kong and the Hong Kong government helps nobody by allowing her to bypass the quarantine rules and they should not have allowed her entry without quarantine. Uh, JK uh, says, uh, I sort of mangled an email from him yesterday. Uh, he's uh, amended it uh, and so, so uh, this is uh, JK's uh, message. Uh, dear Backchat, signals versus noise. Uh, JK says the vaccine-hesitant folks are finding it difficult to differentiate signals from noises. Signal, a red light at a pedestrian crossing. Whether there are cars passing or not is a signal not to cross. Noises, you're at a crossing and it's a red light. But your friends suggest you cross it because you're late for lunch. Do you ignore the signal or accept your friend's noise as the signal to cross? If at that moment you are dithering on whether to cross, a crowd rushes up behind you and you hear a noise. Run, a man coming to shoot us. Do you accept the noise? you're hearing are signals to cross voices like legislators like michael tin who lobbies for his constituents make signals versus noise differentiation more challenging for the lay public accepted that the doctor gave a signal though not necessarily a good one he'd probably not do his homework nevertheless professor malik gives a clear counter signal that just having allergies to multiple drugs is not a clear contraindication and the consequences are manageable the doctor has not assessed fully the consequences of covid however low the risks of catching it are significant i.e., life-threatening especially with his elderly patients who may have significant comorbidity and the consequences of vaccination biontech is low and not significant by the way the reason for the waiting list is allergy testing until 2024 uh, is due to this particular panic whereby many are going to tests. Not all GP or family medicine doctors uh, do not want to take any responsibility and update their knowledge and pass the buck to the system. Get a test. That is uh, from JK. And uh, finally, Alonso says, yesterday's announcement by the US FDA that it is granted full approval to the BioNTech vaccine prompted a number of American municipalities, US government agencies such as the Pentagon and a slew of large corporations to announce vaccine mandates for their workers. For example, New York City yesterday said that if all the school citizens if all the city's school staff have to be fully vaccinated over the next month, uh, can Hong Kong's private sector employers and the government issue similar mandates? Do Hong Kong employment laws allow for this? If so, it would certainly boost our vaccination rate. If any listeners can spread any expert insights into the legal situation, I would be most grateful. That's from uh, Alonzo. Many thanks. Backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, email address. Uh, Helen So, good morning to you. Morning, thank morning, you, thank morning, you very much indeed for, for joining us. Hi, Mark. Good uh, morning. So there is a there is a uh, a mention of a cultural uh, exchange and promoting Hong Kong's role uh, in uh, uh, developing itself into a centre for cultural and art exchanges uh, with with other countries in, in in the five year plan. What how would you what does that mean? <laughs> and and yeah, what sort exactly. of what sort of pra- what sort of practice and what sort of uh, projects uh, might come under that? Yeah. So. Yeah, actually, very much since, you know, the initial an- announcement of the 14th five-year plan, there's been, I think, there's been, well, I've observed that there's been quite a lot of talk um, um, in the arts and cultural scene about, you know, what's been said there, you know, the exact premise of this um, new positioning, what it means, because actually, you know, like you said, it raises for the very first time, actually, the mandate to develop Hong Kong into, quote-unquote, you know, a hub of arts and cultural exchanges between China and the rest of the world. So I feel that has really sparked copious discussions uh, within the cultural industry, people trying to figure out what it means. And um, I mean, like my take on it, and actually, if you speak to people in the industry and as well as, you know, cultural policymakers, they will tell you. And actually, we have we know that Hong Kong has been doing uh, cultural exchange and been a hub of cultural exchange um, for many years already. Like, you know, um, 
when we think of cultural exchange, perhaps we already have images of, you know, Hong Kong at Basel, you know, um, Hong Kong art festivals, film art, book fair, you know, all these mega cultural events, um, they just pop up in your mind, like instantly. And, um, you know, obviously the government has funding schemes. They've recently opened, you know, the National Arts Fund, open for local artists to, uh, to apply to. Um, and also, I mean, the government even has, you know, a um, culture exchange office, for example, that facilitates local artists. Um, to tour um, in mainland as well as other countries around the world. So actually, you know, we can't say that the government hasn't done its, its fair bit on this form of culture exchange. So, yes, the point is, culture exchange is not something new to Hong Kong. But um, what I guess I would like to highlight um, and to kind of tease out from, from the national plan, I think that I think the new positioning for Hong Kong in the plan this year, as we've noted, is that it comes at a very good time for us to really, like, you know, reconsider um, the, the, the other potential of what cultural exchange now can mean to everyone. Obviously, we're in the 21st century, you know, a, an era of digital culture and an era, you know, a post-pandemic era. So, um, and as a, as a cultural policymaker, obviously, my job is to keep up to date with, you know, different cultural policies around the world and, you know, keeping up to date with cultural trends. And I've got to, you know, my observation is everyone, um, including the mainland and perhaps even particularly the mainland, they've moved on from the idea that cultural exchange is only confined to physical events. So people are talking about exchanging cultural IP, intellectual property, and other forms, digital forms of cultural exchange. And of course, here in Hong Kong, we still hear um, in the speeches of, you know, um, the, the most senior uh, government officials, including, you know, the chief executive, they were still, you know, talking about physical events. They cite, you know, museum exhibitions as, as examples, art tours, festivals. But so, of course, of course, I'm saying that physical events remain indispensable. But I mean, they are no longer, you know, the be all and end all of cultural exchange. So I guess even though there is mention for this exciting new role in the realms of culture, uh, the realms of culture for Hong Kong, we would need to readjust. So, so what, what, what kind of cultural exchange are you thinking of then? Sorry? What Sorry. kind? Of, what What do you mean? If, so, 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 so the mainland, for example, they're looking at developing arts and culture in a very industry approach. Um, it's, it's very much an industry way of developing arts and culture, as opposed to Hong Kong. I think we're still so, so, so centrally centrally events. planned art. Sorry, is uh, David Webb, is that it? So, so centrally planned art, is that it? With, with you know vetting committees and making sure I mean, that the public only sees what the state wants them to see. That sort of thing, uh, and, and quotas on movie licenses, and limits on books that you can buy, and filters on the internet so you can't see social culture developing on, you know, social media platforms. That sort of thing. Well, 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 well not that. That's not all. I don't, uh, no, definitely not. Because I think Hong Kong, we, we've always been quite an international, you know, um, uh, place where where cultural happenings. Yes, and I'm talking about the mainland. I mean, the mainland approach is uh, diametrically opposed to many of its uh, controls over what people can see and hear. Uh, so um, how do you square that with their stated desire to be more, to, to have more cultural? I mean, I think culture sometimes is, is a, a sort of euphemism for um, um, ideology, isn't it, in the mainland? They want, they want the, the, the mainland culture to be... Um, spread through the Hong Kong school system, you know, supplanting liberal studies with um, national studies and things like that. Mm. 
Um, I think, well, yeah, we can see that, you know, obviously Hong Kong operates in a different system and, and has always been hosting, you know, international arts and culture exhibitions. And I guess just to, um, I, well, this is not a direct response to your to, to, to your statement, but I guess to give an example, um, for example, you know, we, we all know that, you know, the, the Hong Kong Palace Museum will be um, um, ready, will, 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 will be open next year. But, but I guess the point is, you know, we don't need a replica of the Beijing Palace Museum in Hong Kong. So that's not kind of, the, that's not, we're not trying to be a replica of the Beijing Palace Museum in Hong Kong. So the point is, the point is to have, you know, a separate Hong Kong branded institution yes. in Hong Kong. I mean, the problem because, with that is that a lot of the national treasure is in Taipei, isn't it? So, <laughs> That's right. So really, you need to be well, borrowing stuff different. from the National right. Museum um, in Taipei, but they won't lend it to us because then it'll be um, confiscated back to the mainland, probably. They, they uh, consider it stolen. So, so, so we can't have that here. We can only have the stuff that remains in Beijing on loan. To the uh, Hong Kong Helen, may, may, maybe uh, I, I, I wonder, um, you know, focus on what Hong Kong people can do, you know, with this new positioning um, that yeah. the nation, uh, you know, wants Hong Kong to be. So say uh, you, you are a young person um, in Hong Kong. Uh, what what would this mean to you? And uh, not everybody wants to, you know, to be involved in arts trading. So, uh, and you have talked about arts and digital culture. And um, I guess um, in the eyes of, of the whole country, perhaps uh, culture might be more, more economic, uh, more like a cultural business than, say, you know, understanding our, our local heritage and... Um, really um, arts for art's sake or, uh, you know, just uh, be able to do arts education and that sort of thing. Um, how, how do you see, you know, what are the opportunities for, for young people and what sort of skill sets do they need? Yeah, um, thank you, Ada. Um, um, I, I definitely think there is actually qu quite a lot of room and quite a lot of scope for, 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 new, um, for new ideas and new skill sets in the realms of arts and culture in Hong Kong. Um, as, as I'm sure, like, um, as I'm sure you know, like, as a, um, we've, we've been looking at the idea of, you know, arts and technology um, uh, for, for quite some time um, in, in the foundation. And we've noticed that, you know, the area of art tech obviously accelerated by, um, by, the, by COVID. Um, it's actually been, it's really caught on as something that might be um, a new option for young creatives um, in Hong Kong to kind of, um, you know, um, try out different things. There's, there's more possibilities for art making and creativity. And actually, art tech, as you know, a new emerging industry, it, it brings in a lot of different opportunities for Hong Kong as well. Um, I think there are more people, you know, obviously, with, you know, the, the kind of, Digital media is now something that young people they uh, they live with. They know how to operate. They they you know it's something that is so uh, so familiar to, to them. So and 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 I think like the whole area of art tech is probably one one avenue or one kind of area where young people can really can really like dive into and um, and you know open new businesses. You know new kind of ideas. I mean, even collaborate with people from different industries, like the technology industry, um, for example, for new kind of synergies and form kind of um, new projects. Um, and should, should, we be, should we be spending taxpayers' well. money on, on subsidising that, or should we let people uh, make their own way and choose 
uh, if they think they can make a living out of their creativity, then, then great. They can sell their art tech online or they can sell their physical art in galleries uh, or, or by, by mail. Um, or, or should the government take your money and, um, and pay people to create art that people aren't willing to pay for? Um, I, I, I think um, it, there's, there's, I think it would be I think you would need um, some sort of uh, government subsidy um, to begin with. But at the same time, I very much agree with you. Um, well, so where does it end? One, once, to, so if you encourage people to go down that road and say, you know, have a life as an artist, don't worry, we'll pay for you, no. and then you suddenly cut it off. It's da- David, we have hard. a science part, we have cyberport. Exactly, we, that's the, the problem. The government is subsidising quite yes, a lot. and I object we, to we those too. We have not had a, a park for culture or for cultural entrepreneurship yet. Well, one ba- two, two wrongs don't make a right, Ada. So, you know, uh, I, I'm opposed to the Lockmartial loop and other kinds of government intervention in the economy because, you know, if people have a great idea uh, in Hong Kong, history proves that they're able to exploit it on their own. Uh, the fear of paying 16.5% profits tax has never stopped them from doing that. They don't need R&D deductions. They don't need free land. You know, if, they, if the land is too expensive here, they'll find somewhere else to do it. But the point is we should op- optimise the use of our scarce resources and not allocate, uh, um, you know, building another uh, land land to another cyber port, which they're doing. They're bu- building a baby cyber port next to the current one. It's a sort of baby white elephant um, with our money. Why, why should we be doing that rather than letting the economy run its course um, and finding the optimal level of artistry, creat- creativity and technology in our, in our economy? Okay, some uh, comments on our Facebook page. This is from Henry, uh, who says, Hong Kong's lost two or more years in the riots and needs to roll up its sleeve and get down to real hard work. The speakers have mentioned countless opportunities, and Hong Kong different sectors must think about those opportunities and see how they could contribute, and through that, co-prosper. The plan is nothing new. Perhaps the English press has not covered much, or expat mindset about China makes them somewhat antagonistic towards China. I think Tao Kung Pao and Wen Wei Po needs to have an English version. Uh, JFK words apply uh, it's here. It's called China Daily. Yeah. Uh, JFK's words apply here. Ask not what the country would do for you, but what you could do for the country. Uh, only through doing that one finds the way. Mainland has advanced all the way by crossing the river by feeling the stones. Rohu Ling said, even if you go slow, you are falling behind already. Since it is a national plan, we must also think along national lines. Officials said Hong Kong's mindset thinking must mesh seamlessly forget about politics work on development the quote no boat ride after Suzhou by one of the officials is a warning once opportunities are lost they are forever lost already Foshan, Nansha etc are marching like mad Backchat should have more deep and detailed sessions on China on Hong Kong etc superficial discussion won't help don't waste time on petty politically tainted comments notice the very high high level delegations signifying the extreme uh, importance and Henry also says the program anchor, that's me, has outdated view on saying capitalism is decadent, Marxism, etc. China is prospering on mixed economy. Deng Xiaoping had said getting rich is glorious. Besides, CCP uses Marxism progressively. The Marxism dialectical materialism is used extensively in China and the achievements of China shows Marxism is good. Editors should have updated views and not outdated, biased views. Perhaps RTHK should consider replacing the current editor. That's uh, from uh, uh, Henry. Uh, Capitalism is decadent is is in the uh, Constitution, uh, Henry. Uh, Marxism, I mentioned Marxism. Um, That's kind of the point. Um, 
Uh, Helen, so um, this is from the from the uh, five-year year plan introducing. Um, Socialist Cultural Development and China's Soft Power, the chapter on that. Uh, it says Marxism guides uh, all activities in our ideological space, reflecting confidence in our culture, cultural development informed by our core socialist values, promotes moral ideas, forges cohesion, helps the younger generation grow and thrive, enriches tradition and shapes our national image. It helps meet the people's cultural need and provides emotional support. It is therefore essential to enhance socialist cultural development. Um, you know that kind of uh, approach, uh, that kind of rhetoric, sounds kind of alien, frankly, to uh, a lot of artists and a lot of cultural workers uh, in Hong Kong. Do you recognise that 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 kind of gap? Um, yes, because you know um, we obviously we've been uh, we've been operating in a, in a different system for, um, for 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 years, and and I definitely think you know um, I don't think. We're trying to. Um, there, there will be. There is a gap, um, obviously, with with you know what you just mentioned. Um, it, it is going to be. Uh, it is not something that is that is um, uh, that is familiar to you know local creators and the, and the younger generation, young people um, in Hong Kong. Um, but what I do see, as you know, as um, it has been outlined in, in the national plan, is that. Is that what, well? Actually, we, we should the, the government should perhaps you know be removing these kind of barriers and actually carving out you know what I see is more kind of possibilities and maybe more options um, for for young for young artists to to to, um, to think about you know to explore new ways of creating art and um, and uh, creativity and so um, I don't. I, I, I tend to be a bit more kind of um, to, to think of this a bit more positively. Uh, Helen, I mean, um, I mean the, the, you know, again, the, the, the five-year plan says we will strengthen efforts to carry out education in Xi Jinping thought on socialism with Chinese characteristics for a new era and improve the work system of arming the whole party and educating people with the party's innovation theory. We will establish and improve the system and long-term mechanism of remaining true to our original intention and keeping our mission firmly in mind. Strengthen and improve our ideological and political work. Continue the publicity and education on socialism with Chinese characteristics and the Chinese dream. Intensify education education on the history of the party, the history of New China, the history of reform of uh, socialing up, and the history of uh, socialist China. Uh, are we going to do that? Is that what we're going to do in Hong Kong? Are you... Um, is this... Because I... Um, is this in Chapter 63? Uh, this is Chapter 34. This is uh, Part 10, Socialist Cultural Development and, and China's Soft Power. Hmm. Um... Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, ah. So, yes. Well. Hmm. Um, well, I, I, I was. I, I, I looked at. You know, I've been studying kind of the extracting the bits. You know, that for for as Hong Kong to develop into a cultural exchange hub, and um, in, under that parameter, I would. Um, I, 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 I do think that, that that there are kind of many, many possibilities and opportunities. For us to kind of really uh, show our strength as um, an international kind of cultural hub, considering that we've got you know a successful leg and strong legacy with organising um, events and a kind of our strong 
cinematic. What we're good well at, what we're good at here is trading. So we we have zero import duties, zero export duties. Um, so far, at least in private exhibitions, you can show pretty much you want. It's not quite clear whether all of Ai Weiwei's exhibits will make it into the uh, West Kowloon Cultural Desert or Disaster, or whatever you want to call it. Um, but um, so so far, we're quite good at running auctions and and trading. So maybe we should just focus on being literally an exchange of um, art for value. Um, uh, in in Hong Kong. So, David, you want to reduce art creations, inspiring artworks. Uh, well, no, we, just we will have a certain amount of indigenous artistry as well, but um, we're a small population relative to the world, and we could be trading all of Asia's art in Hong Kong, having safe custody of it for the more valuable pieces, for example, where people are nervous about holding it in unstable uh, political areas of the of Asia. Um, they might want to have. Um, 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 you know, climate-controlled um, warehouses for their art uh, at the airport or nearby, um, and and th- you know, and, and have uh, 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 active trade in it. And that's what happened with wine, by the way. Once we abolished wine duty, we became a wine hub. We don't consume much more wine than we did before. Um, but you're just capita. treating culture as another commodity, literally, aren't you? I mean, it's just. Another, I'm just saying that's anything. what we're good at. Yeah. You're asking what Hong Kong okay, should well, be doing. Yeah, Mark Michaelson, yeah. go on. No, no, the same. Well, I was just going to say the same climate-controlled storage facilities for wine are also used for art. I mean, temperature is yes. a little bit different, but they are even now, even now. But the culture surely should be about content. It's not about it the. Of course, it should. Be. Yeah, it's not about the physical yeah, sure. objects. But I'm just, I'm just saying. You well, okay. Well, Mark, Mark Michelson, yeah. if you, if you, you know, um, cultural exchange. If it talks about making Hong Kong a cup for cultural exchange, what would that mean to you? How well, do you think we? Might well, you know, do I, that? I think some of the ideas are great, but you know, it's a. I also would would feel more comfortable with with Hong Kong driving that with, of course, support from from the government, but not the government being sort of the the ones that, that, that sort of determine what areas we're going in. And there are a lot of, you know, talk about youth arts. There's a youth arts festival. There are many other groups that are doing that. And maybe they can use some help and they can use some encouragement. But, uh, you know, I also like to see Hong Kong driving that themselves with encouragement, but not with the uh, being overseen and how they do that. They've even, I think they've even set up an apartment block in West Kowloon, or they're going to, uh, with subsidised rents for artists. So you have to sort of prove that you're doing state-approved artistry in West Kowloon, and then you get an apartment in the art hub or whatever it's going to be called. And so that's not really where we want to be going in terms of trying to um, put everybody in one spot rather than allow them to live where they like and compete for resources. Uh, Helen, so, um, you know, finally, um, is, is this about enhancing uh, China's soft power? Is that an aspect of what we're talking about when we're talking about cultural exchange or, or not? I think it's, part, it's um, about enhancing, you know, Hong Kong's own um, soft power as well, definitely, because um, I know I, I, I'm, a, I'm definitely a firm believer of Hong Kong's, you know, um, art talent. You know, we have got quite really professional curators and you know, we can offer new... Um, sure, sure, but this is we're talking about the five-year plan now, aren't we? So obviously the, the you know, the mainland, the, the nation as a whole is, is under consideration. And, and, and is, that, is that the aim? Is, is it to, or, or one of the aims, to, to improve, enhance China's soft power, would you say? Um, um, yeah, uh, as, a, as a result, I think, yes. 
Well, I, I think it is definitely, it will enhance the soft power. Uh, but then, you know, Hong Kong, yeah, we're still operating under one country, two systems. And I'm just thinking, you know, what our next generation could, um, you know, make use of that and um, to, um, to create work, um, you know, with uh, some freedom of expression uh, and not just to... Um, do um, do uh, art and tech and but but I think tech is only a means of expressing and uh, yeah. the content is actually still the most important. For sure. Yeah. Would, would you would you see this happening, Helen? I definitely think uh, the folk, uh, I definitely think we shouldn't be distracted by you know the the, the tech um, gimmick or the tool of um, of using technology to kind of communicate. Um, I definitely think the focus should definitely be on developing, you know, quality content. And it should be, we need to build our kind of soft power. We need to know um, our cultural content um, in order to, you know, uh, enhance our own city's um, cultural soft power um, going forward. Okay. Well, Helen, many thanks for, for joining us, Lead Arts and Culture with the Our Hong Kong Foundation. Many thanks to uh, David Webb, and once again, founder and editor of website.com. Excuse me. And Mark Michelson, Chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, once again, uh, Mark, some um, uh, comments uh, to finish off. Oh, we should just say uh, that uh, we had a, a very interesting uh, call yesterday from, uh, you might remember, from a person who had been uh, sent to uh, Penny's Bay after being quarantined at a hotel uh, in Wan Chai. Just to, just to clarify that, and a quick disclaimer, apology if I gave the wrong impression was given. Sorry if there was any confusion. Uh, uh, he, he approached us and, and then we, we uh, got in touch with him or well, he did an open letter i think and then we got in touch with him uh, and uh, uh, uh arranged for that call so he was not just a caller out of the blue but someone that we that we contacted and we we reached out to sorry if there's any confusion uh, over that um John says uh, in an email, as some of your more vocal correspondents spent the first eight months of the year proclaiming that COVID vaccines were being inflicted on the public in a vast conspiracy to use people as involuntary lab rats, it's worth noting that yesterday the FDA gave full authorization to the BioNTech vaccine, putting it on the same regulatory level as all other established vaccines, such as those against smallpox, measles, tetanus, etc., all of which are routinely required as standard public health measures. So the excuse that the vaccine hasn't received full evaluation has now evaporated. I trust Q and on Mike and his fellows and the Tin Hat Brigade will now salute and dutifully follow the COVID vaccine public health mandate, thereby convincingly demonstrating their respect for the rest of humanity. Fat chance. That comes from uh, John. And uh, Jay says, Philippines has an, uh, had another COVID increase with the Delta strain. Hong Kong is not very forthcoming with the situation, especially as we are going to have a lot of domestic helpers coming back to Hong Kong. How long is their quarantine going to be? And are the quarantine hotels going to put all their prices up? Can RTHK please do tell me more? That's uh, from uh, Jay. Thanks very much indeed for that. Um, and uh, on Facebook, sorry, we, we did say that we were going to be talking about the uh, Taipo taxi uh, accident. We weren't able to um, uh, get a speaker on that uh, in, in the end. But a couple of comments on uh, Facebook. Uh, Bill says the taxi had six plus mobile phones on the dashboard, four plus moving lucky charms raising from above and a loud dispatch patter at the time. The driver ran a red light, hitting eight pedestrians on a crosswalk, mounting the pavement, then being stopped from the drag of bodies under the taxi. That's from Bill. I'm not sure if that's all 
all uh, factually uh, correct. Uh, anyway, Mervyn says, the accident in Taipo involving another taxi is another illustration that the current system of licensing of taxis doesn't work in the current environment. And in 2021, only old drivers over 65 are prepared to work for the landlord taxi overlords. Now is the time to bring in competition and allow Uber and similar services to work legally in Hong Kong. And otherwise, we will deteriorate further as a world-class city. The taxi service has become a joke. The taxi association are delusional in not realising the existing problems are due to them and the current outdated system. And uh, Barbara says, when I go back to Shenzhen City sometime in the future, I'm afraid I would be lost on the street. It's time for me to know more Hong Kong. My five-year plan is just staying here, 2020 to uh, 25. Thank you very much indeed, uh, one and all, for uh, your comments. Um, one more comment from Peter, who says... Um, David Webb sounds bitter and upset, retreating into ideology and repeating opinionated stereotypes. That's uh, from Peter. Thank you very much indeed for those uh, comments. Uh, and uh, here's the weather before we go. It's going to be uh, sunny today with a few showers and some isolated thunderstorms uh, around too. Hot temperatures up to about 32 degrees in the urban areas, a little bit warmer in the new territories. Sunny periods and a few showers forecast for tomorrow. Very hot. On Thursday, thunderstorm warning just come into effect. 28 Celsius at the moment. Relative humidity is at 85%. The elderly are at high risk of life-threatening conditions from COVID-19. The virus can damage one's heart, lungs and brain. It may cause multiple organ failure that requires intubation in an ICU. After effects can hamper a recovery. Vaccines reduce risks of serious illness, hospitalization and death. Experts advise that any elderly person who has had a flu shot can safely receive COVID-19 vaccines. Get vaccinated early. 934, the news now with Priscilla. Federation of Trade Unions lawmaker Alice Mack says it is a pity that two lawmakers did not attend yesterday's unprecedented seminar on the nation's five-year plan held by a top Beijing official who said legislators should focus their efforts on development. The Liberal Party's Felix Chung says the SER risks missing out on opportunities if officials don't work on reopening travel to the mainland. And President Biden and British Prime Minister Boris Johnson have discussed the evacuation of thousands of people from the Afghan capital, Kabul, in a telephone call ahead of a virtual summit of G7 leaders as pressure mounts on the U.S. to extend its presence in the country. I'll be back with more news at 10. Thanks, Priscilla. And good morning to you. It is Maureen Brew uh, with James Ross uh, through cell one. Music and chat and a whole lot more and getting things going with a focus on the Paralympics with Danny in a few moments.